Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, do you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, where we help business owners like you build businesses that thrive for decades to come by turning that blue collar bullshit into some blue collar business solutions. So in this episode, what you're going to learn, learn how Chris earned the respect in his first career job. You're going to learn why relationships are important, how being uncomfortable creates growth, and advice on how not to chase perfection. So our guest today is Chris Sider, a seasoned, unapologetic millennial safety professional that shares his journey from working with his dad to leading a team of multi-generational professionals. We hope you enjoy this show, and we had so much fun making Welcome back, my friend Brad Herda. How are we doing today? I am fantastic, Mr. Stephen Doyle. How is the beautiful city of Detroit, Michigan today? You know, just looking outside, it is a fabulous overcast day, normal for February, beautiful times. It's 40 degrees. Couldn't ask for anything better. Well, we got sunshine today here in uh, southeastern Wisconsin. Little wind, but it's all good for February. I agree. Couldn't That's couldn't correct. be any better than that. So I mean, it could be snowing. So let's have let's have an awesome show today because we got a great guest that came out of a, another podcast opportunity that I was doing with a good friend of ours, and actually I think we've had him on the show, Ted Ted Carew from uh, TED Talks. We have Chris Sider here with us, so I got to meet Chris doing that show. And his background and his safety opportunities and what he does and how he goes about doing it, I think is going to be great for our audience. And uh, we welcome Chris to the show today. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. Happy to be here. I am very grateful that you are here. And Mr. Doyle is going to lead in with the uh, the first question. We're not going to let him miss it this time. Hey, thanks for, thanks for the intro for the question. So, Chris, before we really get started, we'd like to ask everyone, which generation do you fit in with? Excellent. Well, I am unapologetically millennial. Happy to <laughs> All right. He's wearing the flag. Stamp that, Stamp that on the arm. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so when we look at your background uh, and your work experiences that you've had, you know, starting out in printing, printing in boats and power energy and, and where you are today at Foth. Um, I'm sorry, both, not Foth, both. I missed it. Damn it. You told me before. I totally blew it. But anyhow, sorry about that. Um, how has that growing up in these various industries been for you in relationship to um, those that would be older or younger than you uh, as you've gone through your career path? Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, I look back over, over the career I've had and I, I, I can reflect back. You talk about my printing days and that's my early, early starts. I was lucky enough 
uh, in high school to get a job at the the plant that my father had worked at. And and and, and I always look at his story and think of how it was the genesis of kind of my story. But my father worked at that printing press from the absolute uh, most basic job that they had in the plant, you know, lowest level pay. And by the time I got there to join the organization, he was running the plant that I, that I joined. So I was I was blessed cool. to be able to watch uh, his work ethic, his his growth throughout his career at that organization, uh, but also to see the respect that he had within the the, the company that that I was joining. And um, really, I felt obligated to 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 create my own name and to, to do my own thing coming into the the lore that he had built working for that organization for thirty years. Okay. And then when you moved out of dad's shadow, right? Cause you were just the kid at that point and, and moved on and got out underneath that uh, family environment. Was there, were there any um, issues or concerns with some of the older guys that you moved into uh business with, you know, um, shipbuilding can be a very um, interesting and um, dynamic. We'll call dynamic instead of old and crusty. <laughs> Well, so certainly, you know, I, I worked for the printing press company throughout all of college and got to cut my teeth and work in that organization. And, you know, working side by side with, with blue collar, you know, manufacturing folks and being in the plant 12 hour shifts, I personally really grew a great trust and respect for, for that crew. So when I came out of school, I, I, I started with the HR human resources position. And as you mentioned, I, I, I quickly got into safety. And this was a company that had a, a 135 year history by the time I had gotten there. And, and here I was the, 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 the second safety professional hired for that organization and literally was brought in into that role to, to work with this team that literally had been doing things the way their fathers had done it, the way their grandfathers had done it, the way their great grandfathers had done it. So you, you, when we say about, this is the way it's always been done, we really this mean is the this way is the way it's always, it's always been, been done. done. If, if you if you in, in safety we always are fighting that well this is the way I've always done it uh, you talk about the history and in legacy of this is the way I've always done it and and yeah the the unapologetic millennial coming into this this plant basically telling these these folks that hey the way you are doing it right now is maybe not the best way to say it nicely which means that your father was doing it wrong, your grandfather was doing it wrong, you name it. So absolutely um, challenges crossing multi-generations in history, you know, of, uh, of, of family relations built into that type of industry. So tell us a little bit more about those challenges because, you know, family dynamics and especially when we're talking blue collar, it's a lot of family run businesses. Tell us about that dynamic and the challenges you faced as you were introducing something new to them. Absolutely, you know, um, challenges abound, right? It, it, it was, again, I was fresh out of college. So obviously I'm cutting my teeth at the same time, trying to present myself as a technical expert and as a change agent to folks who had way more history in this business and in, in, in the in industry than I had at that stage. Um, so really for me, the key challenges were, were with the relationship building in really spending the time on the floor, learning the processes, learning the history, you know, why, why did we get here? Why is the reason why this is our approach? Um, and not going in with a hammer swinging and, and really taking my time to, to really form those, those tight relationships to allow us to, 
to make the change together as opposed to just me coming in and saying, this is wrong, let's do it a different way. But you had you had adopters and you had non-adopters like you would have in any organization. But certainly um, with the heritage that's built into an industry like that, um, there's obstacles without a doubt. You took a very, um, I think, the right approach for that generation, right, to go in and learn and gain their trust versus coming in with the big stick and saying, no, 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 do it my way. Uh, that probably would have failed miserably. As you have progressed now and you are now sitting in that position of, of more tenure and longer longer in the tooth, so to speak, and now you have individuals coming in that were you at that time in your current organization, how are you, how are you using that skill that you grew growing up in the industry to help or support those coming into industry? Yeah, I, I love that question, Brad. You know, I look at where I'm at in my career, you know, I've been doing safety for 18 years professionally and, and truly I'm hitting that stage to where, you know, it's, it's not for me to be the doer all the time. And, and, and truly at that stage to where we're bringing in new talent, early career professionals as part of my team to take that ne next threshold and the next handoff. Um, just for my own personal growth journey, that's a difficult place to reach. You know, I've, I've been I've been resting on my technical expertise and experience for 18 years. And and I, I refer to it as a crutch you, when you're doing something for so long and you get good at something and comfortable at something. It's hard to want to give that up. So even for me, just taking the step as an individual to be willing to hand off that. Uh, the, the reins of the safety program within my organization to a, a new generation, a, an early career professional, that's hard. Um, but I, I, I relish the opportunity that, that I have at this stage in a career to really, you know, hand off to, to, to new professionals and others in the industry to really build that next phase of, of, of professionals. And, and I look at where I'm at, you know, I, I intentionally just added a new member to my team. I wanted somebody right out of college because I knew <laughs> They're going to be smarter than I am as it relates to safety. Literally have a degreed professional coming right out of a college program. I know that that the new member of my team is probably smarter than I am in, in what's new and what's fresh and what probably is going to work for the next 20 years in the area of safety. But I also wanted somebody who wasn't jaded with 20 years of experience, who, who had an opportunity <laughs> to kind of at least be open for what what I have to say and what my experience has to add to the mix. And it's, right. it, for me, it's being open to the blend that hopefully together we both bring that, that new generation of what's going to work for the next 20 years of our workforce. That's spectacular. Having that awareness to see that you need to have um, not only the opportunity for bringing people in that may not be tainted by beliefs of others. It's also creating the opportunity where you may have your next person, so you can go do the next thing you want to go do um, and not worry about it, right? That whole build, Absolutely. you can't move to your next thing until you have your replacement in place. Um, that's real. And um, sometimes that's hard for that, uh, you know, that tradesman, that construction crew, some of those individuals understand that. I, I, I can't stop swinging the hammer until I can find somebody else to swing the hammer for me. Right. Absolutely. And it's hard to let go. Let's talk about that letting go journey. Talk about how hard... Talk about how you dealt with letting go of certain aspects of your job and, and the things you did to create success in that transition. Well, you know, I'm, I can say that I'm blessed within, within my personal organization at both that 
you know, our team continues to invest in our talent and, and have been a part of a ongoing member development process. Even as I get higher and higher up in the organization, there's constant development and opportunities. And for me, I was able to be part of a, a program that St. Norbert has. It's their, their, um, uh, their, their cell program. And it's okay. all about executive leadership and, and, and it's a personal journey. And, and when I went through that personal journey of, of looking at where I'm at in my career, I could easily just set the coast button and say, I could probably get another 20 years out of being a, a technical expert and keep doing this. But um, I've been constantly getting challenged to say, I think there's opportunities to lead and do things in other parts of the organization. And for me, it was getting over the fear of that unknown, that fear that, well, what if I give up? What if I stretch myself too far away from this technical area that's, that's created success for me and I can't go back? What does that look like? So really saying, no, I, I have to continue to expand. I have to continue to look at new opportunities to grow myself. And it's, and it's in that, the, those moments of, of uncomfort that, that I see the most growth as an individual and being willing to be uncomfortable, I think is where, where we as individuals continue to, to get better uh, in, throughout our careers. So talk about, talk about that, that be willing to be uncomfortable a little bit more. And as it relates to, I'm going to go the, the spread here. You've got the new hire coming in, you got the you know old crusty person mm -hmm. on the other end. Just like right? you, old crusty. Like, yeah, he's like me, right? Not you. <laughs> so no, I am jovial and upbeat, man. I am not old and crusty. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about that being uncomfortable, but also kind of playing in the middle with the young generation and the old generation and change that happens. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this whole concept of being uncomfortable for me is something that I've always been very conscious of in, and it'd be really easy. And I think it's human nature for most of us to just find what works, find what's comfortable and to say, get in that rinse, wash, repeat phase and say, you know what, I, this is, this works. I'm comfortable. I, I like this job. I like this role. And, and, and I don't want to risk the change, but I will tell you that leaving the boat builder to go to my next journey in green energy, that was a scary, hard move, but it was the right move. Brought lots of challenges, brought lots of excitement and everything over that three and a half year period of time. And in our pre-call me, so, so Steve, just in our pre-call me, I'm just going to let you know this. We'll take a little side. When I saw that and I put that together. Uh, he was there when that was a former supplier of mine. So when he says there were challenges there, I fully, there, there were, there were challenges there. <laughs> it was a target rich environment. Yeah. Yes. I, was, I was very uncomfortable for a period of about three and a half years. But what I like to refer to, what I, as I reflect over those three and a half years working for that next leg of my journey, I looked at that as a, a an, an expedited growth period of time for me. I, I, I literally personally felt like I got three to four times the experience in that three to four, three and a half years uh, period of time than I would have had if I were coasting in my first job. Right. right. And, Absolutely. And, I 100% would agree with that statement based on that organization. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. So, so you could, it would be very easy for me to say, this is uncomfortable. Day one, I quit, right? I can't do this. This is not, this isn't worth what the toll it's going to take on me, dot, 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 whatever that is. But but I will tell you that through that that period of discomfort, you stretch, you grow, and and it's just like you know I'm I'm a uh, I'm an endurance runner on the side, right? So I like running, I like biking, and they say if you're not hurting afterwards, you haven't really done anything. Um, it's the same exact thing in our working worlds. If you're not stretching those muscles, you're not feeling uncomfortable. You're probably not growing. You're probably not getting stronger. So 
you know, again, it's, it's, it's in, and after those three and a half years, knowing when the time was right to seek a new opportunity, again, change was uncomfortable. It's that, it's that concept that anytime you have a, uh, a, a new voting cycle, people are likely to vote with whatever the current state is because it's, it's easier to stick with whatever your current state of mind is as opposed to taking on the risk of something different. And, and for me, it's about how can you take those risks? How can you stretch yourself? Because I have relished upon those moments of discomfort because when you make, it way, make your way through them, you're better. Mm-hmm. You're not afraid of them anymore. And, and, and the next time you can seek something that is even more. So that is a great segue here to talk about, you know, the youth and, and the younger generation that, you know, the younger Gen Z's uh, and even to the Gen Alpha, which is right behind them that are now, you know, 11 years old. How and I see that you're part of part of Boy Scouts with probably your family members or, or <clears throat> nieces and nephews or something or, or whomever it might be. How are you bringing your skill set and your experiences to them to foster that uncomfortableness um, and and letting people letting them know that it doesn't have to be perfect because we're in the society of perfection. We've had this on a different show of episode that we talked about where we didn't. There's not the chance to fail anymore, and and failure is okay. Everything's got to be perfect, and everything's got to be in social media. And it's all got to be right. Oh my goodness. So how are you bringing that growth and paying that forward to, you know, that generation or two behind you? Yeah, well, I love that. Yeah, so my son is is just about to turn seven. So as you mentioned, I, I took on the role of leading our Cub Scouts pack. You know, I, I was in Cub Scouts through my youth. So there's there's also my generation has that classic of of the uh, the reflection on what you love growing up and you want to experience it again through your child. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking on, on leadership of the pack, it's, it, there's there's lots of interesting dynamics. You see all the kids coming together, and um, what I love about the Cub Scouts is that it's 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 structured an environment of of really go and and try and do, and it's not competition based. So there's not necessarily that that pressure of of you're the winner or you're the loser kind of thing. It's more so the the environment of creating the safe space where our, where our scouts, our children, can come together and experience different parts of life that they may not get a chance to, to be part of and earn these merit badges that stretch their comfort and, and, and give them something that, that they normally wouldn't have had in their base family setup or within their schools, you name it. Um, lots of team building, lots of, of, of partnering together and really letting the kids take on those challenges without that, that fear, that pressure of you have to win, you have to fail. It's more so all we expect of you is to go out and 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 try and and do your best and 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 succeed in whatever outcome you can achieve as a team. So it's somewhere in the middle. It's not necessarily the true participation ribbons that certainly my generation gets gets teased about all the time. But it's uh, you said that. <laughs> but but at the same time, it's really about you know just trying to. Uh, for me, it's about getting the kids together and getting them out of their comfort zones, like we just talked previously, right. and in forcing them to do something they wouldn't normally do um, with people they wouldn't normally interact with in an environment that they normally wouldn't be in. That's cool. And hopefully they, 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 they feel more comfortable and more confident in every other part of their life by, again, working through that discomfort that they may have of meeting a new person or doing a new thing or being out and in, 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 in our community, you know, doing community service type activities. It's, it, it, to me, I love watching that, that growth and that stretching as, as they, as they participate. Yeah. My, my favorite part was Pinewood Derby, obviously, cause that was always fun. 
um, was frustrating back when I was, you know, you, you knew the ones the kids made and you knew the ones the dads made. Yes. And um, that was frustrating to see. Um, but then mm-hmm. we also had a uh, rubber coated softball league in our community out on the playgrounds on the asphalt playgrounds playing softball. I hated the knot tying badge. I'm like, I, I'm never going to use these things. It's like, come on. <laughs> I don't care about tying rope. I'm not. But yeah. there were there were a lot of great lessons to facilitate that and learn and create relationships and, and push yourself to do things that you never might get a chance to do otherwise. And at at, at zero risk, you know, you, in your bio that you sent over, you, know, you talked about STEM and FIRST and those types of things. And, you know, I, I told people when we were mentoring in robotics, that, you know, you, you may not want to try electrical, but try it. There's no risk yeah. if you don't like it. Nothing's going to happen. You're not going to get fired. We're not going to, no one's going to die if we, you know, if you don't like electrical for robotics one year and you want to go do code the next year, or mechanical or marketing or wherever, try it all. It doesn't really matter. Take take the opportunity to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's, that's why I look at what, what we've been drawn to and, you know, for, for our children and trying to get out. So scouts is obviously a, a big area. Um, but we've also really loved and embraced Taekwondo of all things. So I never grew oh, cool. up in Taekwondo or any of those mm-hmm. those elements as, as through my childhood. But we stumbled upon it with with our child, with our son, and, and our daughter just started as well. And again, it's that same type of environment. You go at your own pace. You're challenging yourself. You're you're pushing your own boundaries. It's not that full competition based. You know, so you see people helping each other. You see those the the the, the six year old at the same exact belt level as a thirty year old, but they're all working together for the same exact goal. And to me, I just love that for all the right reasons of of its its leadership. It's about it's about personal challenging and personal stretching. And and I love that those opportunities exist for my children. And to have that chance to go and experience the world with without the pressures of failure, that you're on a team and you're going to be the losing team, but also with that ability in, in that free world to to play around and to 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 be as good as you can be in, in that space. And it's been it's been awesome as a dad watching my son, you know, work through those types of, of events and, and, and sponsored organizations. So how would you knowing the gen, knowing the generation and some of the stigma that comes in? With the current generation coming into the workforce, I even see this with my with my daughter of when they're uncomfortable, the how quick they want to quit, so so to speak, and just kind of throw in the towel. What advice or suggestions would you have for that generation when things do get up? How what suggestions would you have for them on you know the our generation is the just suck it up cupcake, let's go. What suggestions would you have for them that's not I would say that abrasive. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's funny because I, I spend a lot, you know, I talk about spending time on the bike and running and walking and all that. So you have a lot of time alone. And it's funny, the other day I was, I was having a, a, a general thought kind of along this line of questioning as you raised, Steve, of, you know, I think about in any given week, any given day, I probably make 20 decisions, 20 to 30 decisions as part of my role, right? Just to average that up. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking about Six Sigma and, and quality. And you talk about Six Sigma being kind of world-class quality. And at that level, you're, you're basically hitting, was it 99.97%, you know, no defect. Well, if, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm making 100 decisions a week and I'm performing at a world-class Six, six Sigma level, that means I'm still making one, one wrong decision every single week. <laughs> which, means, which means at some degree, at some level, I'm, 
I'm failing. I'm missing something. <laughs> and, and you just got to calibrate. There's that positive approach we're looking for, Chris. <laughs> there it is. I just keep thinking my wife's already told me I made 45 mistakes today. So <laughs> so it's it's that humility. To, you know, so my recommendation to to any generation who sees that it's 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 success or failure and there's no in between, I think it, we have to recalibrate that and say you will mess things up. As good as we all are, we are going to make the wrong call. We're going to make the wrong decision. We're going to screw things up. So how do you fail forward? You know, how do you fail in a way that that positions you in a way that you're going to embrace that failure? You're going to embrace the uncomfort, as we talked mm -hmm. earlier, that came along with that failure. Right. And you're going to evolve and change to be different in the future. But you're not going to, I mean, to just throw in the towel and to quit altogether is 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 hard for me because it's, it, it's, yeah. it's it, it, it's it, it's 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 basically saying you you can only fail you know succeed all the time and never fail but that's just not reasonable so um, right. I guess my advice is you're never going to be perfect in anything you do but you can be better if when you when you're not as good as you wanted to be you look and assess yourself and figure out what am I going to do differently moving forward to be better the next time it's great advice it's awesome spoken golden like nugget golden nugget as they say <laughs> absolutely but you know shame on us i guess you know you look at every generation you can say this this generation is hurt by you know is, is failing in this area and we only have ourselves whatever generation raised that generation we have ourselves to blame for, right and Correct. how did we position that and and create a level of expectations that group feels that level of pressure that it's win or lose and nothing in between um, that's just not how any phase of life and, and, and how can we, you know, so back to the question that Brad had earlier of, you know, you've got early career professionals coming in. My goal is to create an environment for my team as they're coming in at that level to know that this is a safe environment. We're, we're, we're going to have humility. I'm going to share with my shortcomings and where I know I'm lacking and I expect you to do the same. And hopefully we fill in each other's gaps and we can grow together and be successful together. So I think as as a leader, it doesn't matter what level uh, of, of professional we have in coming in, I think we have an obligation to create that safe space where we can be human in the work environment. Completely agree. It doesn't happen too often anymore. We have various different types of individuals listening to this show on a regular basis. They want to get in contact with you to learn more about your story or look for guidance or just reach out to um, understand more about how you were able to create that really meaningful, purposeful journey for yourself. How do people get a hold of you, and where do they find you? Yeah, uh, best best place to find me. I'm out on LinkedIn. So if you look me up, Chris Sider, S is in Sam, E I D is in dog, uh, E R. I am uh, uh, out on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me. I'm I'm frequently at uh, many of the the safety conferences. Uh, I'll be at the uh, Wisconsin Safety Council's annual conference in April. I'll be at the Minnesota Safety Conference in May. Uh, so if you happen to be a safety professional or other other professional in the area, you can always stop by and see me in person there. But uh, you can certainly best get a hold of me, connect through uh, through LinkedIn, and be happy happy to form that connection in, in chat. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. We stole this from Ted. You were a part of this last with, with Ted's show, Chris. So imitation is the best form of flattery in theory, right? Let's hear it, Mr. Doyle. What do you got? You ready? Sure. I, I, as, I, as I said to Ted in that, in that conversation, I'm a sucker for dad jokes, so I, I cannot wait, Steve. All right. Did you hear about the cheese factory that exploded in France? Did I hear about the cheese 
factory that exploded in France. Oh man, I I I I I cannot wait to hear about it. Please tell me more. Debris is everywhere. Debris. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go somewhere with a stinky cheese to your Steve. So I'm glad I'm glad you went where you went with that. I, I you know I got to keep it a little PC, but those that know me know I'm not PC at all. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah, we, we keep it a little bit. So if you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? Uh, uh, with, with a lowercase I, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. That was <laughs> okay. I'm going to use that one at dinner tonight when I go That's out right. with our family members and stuff. We'll use that at dinner. A bunch of folks. That'll be great. So I got one more. I got one more. Uh oh. This one, this one, I this one's my favorite. So after an unsuccessful harvest, why did the farmer decide to try a career in music? After an unsuccessful harvest, your music. All right, you got me. Corn, wheat, hay. What is it? Oh, dude, because he had a ton of sick beats. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. You know what? We should have had this ready to go. I should have had this ready to go, right? <laughs> should have had, there we go. There it is. <laughs> oh, too funny. Hey, Chris, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge with our audience and some really great insight for others to take away and actually put some application in their, in their career path and or leadership journey. So thank you so much for sharing. You yes, thank, thank you. Thanks for the invite, Brad. It's, it's great talking with both you and Steve today. All right. Have an awesome rest of your day and enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.